Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Eighteen fifty nine, Charles Dickens wrote Tale of Two Cities. Some of you read that when you were in school. You remember how it opened? It was the best of times and the worst of times. Well, I thought about that when I was thinking about the series, and I thought it can be the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. Have you ever had that experience? If I could ask you this morning, name something that you would consider to be a value to you, a great blessing to you, you would probably quickly be able to recite a number of things, a number of people in your life. You could be able to honestly say, as you said here this morning, my life is blessed. I can think of things, I can think of people, I can think of circumstances, I can quickly think of things in my life that I would consider to be a blessing to me. And at the very same time, if we talked a little longer, I could ask you, well, what do you what are you going through right now? What are the challenges of your life? And just as you could name some great blessings, you could probably talk about some heavy burdens. And I think that's the stuff life's made of. It's possible to have the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. I'm convinced this morning that blessings and burdens kind of go hand in hand. I think as we walk through life and as we experience life, I don't think we ever escape that strange dichotomy of great things and, and bad things and happy things and sad things and all those things going on at the very same time. The Bible talks about in James that on one hand, we'll go through tests. Every teacher in the room would tell you a test is an evaluation to determine your readiness for promotion. You can't be promoted and you can't pass the test. So they'll give you a test to evaluate where you are. James says God sends tests in our life through the circumstances that we go through to evaluate where where we are. It's not for his knowledge, he's sovereign, it's for our knowledge. So we'll go through an experience in life, maybe you're going through one right now, and on one side of that experience, God is testing you. He's seeing if you can handle the pressure that you're under. He's seeing if you can handle the promotion. He said, I won't put more on you than you can bear. Sometimes we whine ourselves out of promotion. So God is just saying, look, I, I want to do more in your life, but can, can you handle it? I, I don't put too much on you here. And so he will test us so that we know how strong or how weak we are. On the other hand, in the very same circumstances, James would also say, as God is testing us in the very same circumstance, the enemy is tempting us. Well, if a, temp, if a test is an evaluation to determine promotion, a temptation is a solicitation to do anything that goes against God's best for your life. And so there's always a temptation, mail it in, just quits, too hard, it's not worth it. They're not worth it, right? So you have on the one hand, you have the little angel on one shoulder, you have the devil on the other shoulder, and you have these, uh, you have these things pulling at you constantly and everything you go through, a test, a temptation, the best of times, the worst of times, happening at the very same time. In fact, in John 10, verse 10, Jesus really lays it out very succinctly. He says, there is an enemy, we have an enemy that comes into our life to kill, steal, and destroy. Very negative, powerful words. Kill, steal, destroy. Kill your effectiveness, your friendships, your relationships. Destroy your peace of mind, your happiness, your joy, right? Anything you value, he's trying to take away from you. And then in the very same verse, he says, but 
He came to give you life and life more abundant. So I am convinced this morning as we go into a new year, what you and I need to do is learn how to control the things that we can control. So much of life is out of our control. I've gone through things, going through things just like you, out of my control. I don't have any control over it. But there are some things I do have control over. And so I need to learn how to control what I can control. And this morning I wanna talk about the thing that you and I are in control of, and it's the most powerful thing God has given us, and it is our, our mind, our mind. I wanna talk about the thoughts you think. Have you ever thought about what you think about? <laughs> have you ever stopped long enough to see what dominates your thinking? I mean, when you think about it, your mind is so powerful, God has given us that incredible ability to think through and think about circumstances and situations in life, and it is significant that we give great attention to our thoughts. It's one of the things that will help us navigate uh, through a successful career, through a, an effective relationship, through great friendships, through financial stability. It will help you in every aspect of your life if you think the right things. The late, great Zig Ziglar says we need a checkup from the neck up. <laughs> we need to stop and think about what we think about. You know, when, when you think about an animal, if you're gonna subdue an animal, you need to subdue, subdue the animal at its point of strength, right? If you have a horse, you wanna be careful you don't get kicked, that's its point of strength. If you handle a snake, you wanna watch its fangs, it's its point of strength, you like the fangs thing I just did. If you have a, if you have a dog, you wanna be careful about its bite, right? So, because all of those things are the animal's point of strength. You have a cat, you watch its claws. Why would you have a cat? Anyway, so, uh, as, uh, so as you, I don't know why I threw that in there. That was crazy, crazy talk. But the point is, you have to subdue the animal at its point of strength, right? Well, if that's true, and it is, then don't you think that our enemy, the Bible calls him an enemy, Jesus called him an enemy in John 10, he is gonna come after us at our point of strength. Well, if the strongest thing God has given me is my mind, and doesn't seem to, doesn't make sense if you're tracking with me that the enemy would attack my thinking, my mind, what I think about. God in his sovereign wisdom designed everything, and in his great design, get this, he designed that our babies come into this world, are you ready for this, head first. You thought about it? Head first. When they go out of one environment into another environment, they do so head first. Listen, if you're going to go into a new environment, if you're going to go into a new year and leave that old year behind you, you're going to have to go head first. You're going to have to lead with your thinking. If you're going to get out of circumstances in life that have been negative and harmful to you, you come out head first. If you're going to make changes with your business and finances, if you're going to make changes in relationships, you make them head first. God designed our thinking. You are here this morning because you first thought yourself here. You're gonna go eat in a little while probably. You'll, you'll think yourself there. You're wearing what you first thought about, most of us. <laughs> you, you, you think yourself. You, you're gonna go in the direction of your thoughts. In fact, Solomon put it this way in Proverbs 23, verse seven. He says, as a person thinks in their heart, so will they be. Let me give you two another way. You're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. So what do you think you are? <laughs> what do you think about? Have you thought about that much? It is so important that we give thought to what we think about. Give me a great illustration in uh, Luke chapter 15. You remember the story of the prodigal son? Everybody's heard about it. 
He begs his dad for his inheritance, even though his father was not yet dead, which is a great insult uh, to that, uh, that culture. But his father allows him to have the money. He knows it's not in his son's best interest, but you have one of those kids that don't change when they see the light, they'll change when they feel the heat. That was that kind of deal. So he just said, okay, I'm gonna let you have it. It's not in your best interest, but it's the only way you're gonna learn, so I'm gonna let you do it. And so he took off, and the Bible says he wasted all of his money on crazy party, wild life, wild, you name it, he was wild, crazy guy. And all of a sudden it says when the money was gone, the friends are gone, future is gone, and he ends up keeping hogs for a guy. And if you're a Jewish kid, the last job you want is feeding hogs. So he's feeding these hogs. And here's the point of the story. In verse 17 of Luke 15, here's the defining point in his life. Here was the turning point in his life. Here's what makes the difference. The Bible says this, he came to himself. He came to himself. All of a sudden he thought, what am I doing here? What was I thinking? I'm better than this. This is not the life I wanted. This is not what I should be doing. I mean, what in the world am I doing here feeding these dumb hogs? I mean, I, my dad, he loves me. My, I can go back. I just have to swallow my pride. I can get a job. I, I, can do, I, can, I can do better than this. And I'm saying the turning point in the young man's life is he came out of that hog pen head first. And can I challenge you this morning, if your life is going to change, if anything is going to be different in 2020 than it was in 2019, you've got to go into the year head first. You've got to change the way you think. I'm not suggesting you things will be any easier or things will be any different. I can tell you from personal experience, it's not any easier. My year's still heavy. Are you kidding me? My heart is still broken. Are you kidding me? It's, it's that you're still facing what you're facing, but the difference I'm learning in, in how I'm going into this year is not that my circumstances have changed. It's my thinking has to change. I have to guard my thoughts, and so do you. This is so important that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12. Listen to this. This is really powerful. He said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Now, what does that mean? I know when sometimes you read the Bible, it's kind of Christianese. You know, you gotta explain that to me. So let me explain this to you. The pattern of the world is an expression that you and I would call secularism. Secularism. It's a type of thinking that does not include God in its reasoning, right? Secularism. It's just, you know, I, I get by, I do what I do, I live by certain values and principles that may be good, but God's not involved in it. Most of the people that are pressed into what I would call and what Paul was referring to as this form, this pattern of the world, the secularism in their, in their thinking are not, not necessarily uh, theoretical atheists, right? I know some who are theoretical atheists. They have come to the conclusion through thoughtful study that there just is simply as no God that can't prove he doesn't exist. And so they have decided they are theoretical atheists. Now, there are people who are there, not most people. Most people are what I would call practical atheists. They just live like there's no God. Right? He's not in their thinking. They don't consider him, right? He's the knot at the end of the rope, or he's the one you turn to when the doctor said we can't do anything else and go pray, and you go, oh my God, are we down to that? that that's that type of person, right? So the point I'm just making is there are people who aren't theoretical atheists or practical atheists. They just live as though there is no God. And so that's where most people are. It's a secular way of thinking. 
And so Paul is saying, you can get pressed into that mold. You can get conformed. The idea of conformed is to be pressed into the mold. It's, it's, in, our, it's in our nature. It's our, it's our default settings, right? So he says, be careful. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Did your kids get transformers for Christmas, right? You had the monster, and all of a sudden it transforms into a car. Well, he's saying the monster here is your old way of thinking is secularism, but the transformation that can happen in your life that brings about changes, notice this is what he says. Here's how the transformation happens, by the renewing of your mind. You get your mind right. And once I move into my life head first, it keeps me from getting pressed into a pattern that doesn't consider God because my thinking has changing, uh, changed, and when my thinking changes, it transforms my life, Right? My thinking changed. It transformed my life. It transformed the way I looked at life. It transformed the way I looked at people in my life. So there's this transformation that takes place. By the way, it's an interesting word. Uh, in the Greek, it's, it's uh, the idea of metamorphosis, right? Metamorphosis. It's to be morphed. It's to, it's to go from one form to another. It's when the inner nature of a thing becomes outward. Um, the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, emerges the butterfly. More metamorphosis, to be morphed to change by light, right? Phosis is light. So it's a process of change through light. And so when you connect with your creator and you have the light of God in your life, if you allow him to, through the renewing of your mind, he can transform your life. Now you're still gonna struggle with some old stuff, but he transforms your life through a process. It's not overnight, it's a process. So Paul is saying, understand this. There, there, there's something God is wanting to do and not have you pressed into the mode of thinking there's no God, there's no hope. If I can't do it and get myself out of it, I, I don't know what I'm gonna, I just have to succumb to it, right? And, and you fall into fatalism. But when you have God in your life, there's hope and he transforms your, your life through the thinking, through the renewal of your mind. But notice he says, then you're able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect and pleasing will. Now you discover your purpose. Man, my thinking changed and now I know what I'm supposed to do. My thinking changed and now I know where I'm supposed to be. My thinking changed, now I know who I'm supposed to be with, right? So he transforms all of that and your life changes through how you think. So number one, understand there is a benefit in a changed mind. A great benefit in a changed mind. You can change your clothes. You can change your weight. Lord help me. You can change your hairstyle. You can change your job. You can change your house. You can change your spouse. You can change your, 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 your town that you live. You can change everything about your life, but nothing will change till you change your mind. You're thinking. You know why? Because here's, this is deep. No matter where you go, there you are. Isn't that deep? It's the idea that I'm gonna have to transform myself. That my problem is right here between my ears. It's not what I go through, it's how I'm thinking about what I'm going through. I'm not going through this thing head first. So I have to change my thing. And there's enormous benefit in a changed mind. And like I said earlier, we come into the world disconnected from the creator in need of a savior and in our default mode, the default mode is, is negative. It naturally goes negative. That's why they say, well, there's a 20% you know, chance of rain. Well, cancel the picnic. <laughs> well, isn't there an 80% chance it won't rain? <laughs> or we say, hey, go down and turn right at the red light. Why don't we say green light? It's green as long as it is red. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that we tend to go negative because that's our default mode. 
Anything happens, your mind will go negative. It's the natural drift of your mind. And if you don't catch it and you don't watch it, it's a natural thing. You'll go back to that. And all of a sudden, when you're connected with your creator, here's what that looks like. Unless you have a power within you greater than the pressure around you, you you will yield and you'll eventually fall. And so it's important that I connect with my creator because what he does is he puts a new nature in me that gives me a power to think differently, right? When I'm connected to my creator, I have an ability within me now to actually think about what I'm going through in a different way. It's where your faith steps in. See, yeah, this is terrible, and man, this is awful, and boy, that's heavy. But my faith sustains me. And so I'm suggesting you there's an enormous benefit, ladies and gentlemen, an enormous benefit to a changed mind. But here's a second thought. There's also this incredible battle of a conflicted mind. And this is where most of us are. We're in this struggle to think right, to be right, to stay right. Anyone can think pretty good for a period of time, but when you can do that constantly and consistently, now you're onto something. It's like exercising, it's like eating right, it's like anytime you decide to do anything that is good for you, it's gonna be hard. The late Paul Harvey used to say, you know you're on the road to success when it's uphill all the way. (laughs) Paul said, there's a great and effectual door open to me, but he said, there are many adversaries. Here's what I found, doors of opportunity swing on hinges of opposition. Sometimes you're gonna be blessed while you're being burdened. The best of times, at the worst of times, at the same time. And so what happens is you've gotta change your thinking and it involves warfare. Let me give you a, a battle verse. Romans chapter seven, verse 23. Paul said, there is another power within me, and I get this phrase, that is at war with my mind. <laughs> at war with my mind. The battle's right here. The battle goes on in our head. That's where the warfare takes place. You can tell me your circumstances and I can tell you mine and we can look at outcomes that are largely determined by how we thought about what we were going through or what we've been through. Listen, that's why I tell you, you can have a saved soul in a lost mind. (laughs) When you receive Jesus as your savior, he saves your soul, but your, your noggin's messed up. (laughs) our thoughts are very susceptible to the old nature and honestly guys if we don't guard our thoughts if we don't fight the fights every day uh, we'll drift and you never drift the right way no one's ever taken a cruise and they just said you know we killed the engines and we just floated to Cancun (laughs) it's incredible how we did that we just drifted to Cancun no they're purposeful they're deliberate they're they're going that's what your thoughts are They have to be purposeful. They have to be deliberate. They have to be going. You don't just drift. So when your mind is undisciplined, it drifts. And when it drifts, it doesn't drift the right direction. That's why the Bible says, guard your thoughts. Be careful to give attention to the things that you think about. Just being connected to your creator doesn't guarantee you that you're not going to have bad thoughts or negative thoughts or crazy thoughts. Sometimes people have the mistaken notion that, oh, you just give your heart to Jesus and man, everything's just pure and clean and good. Let me tell you something, I've shared this with you before, but it seemed to resonate. Did you know, if you knew how to roll a joint before you met Jesus, you still know how to roll a joint? Is that deep? Is that another profound statement? Just making sure. 
I don't look at anybody when I said that. I'm looking right at your forehead. Honestly, if you could cuss somebody out before you knew Jesus, you think you've lost your ability to cuss them out? Well, no. Now I'm looking at you, because I know what I'm talking to, right? What's my point? My point is the entrance of a new nature does not eradicate the presence of the old nature. What wins out? The nature I nurture. What nature are you nurturing? What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Because if I'm thinking about the, the temptations, if I'm thinking about the negativity, I'm gonna go in the direction of my thoughts. But on the other hand, if I'm engaged in this battle and I'm saying, by the grace of God, I'm gonna think right, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna, and you say, well, man, I'm struggling in my thoughts. How do, you, how, do you, how do you do it? Well, I haven't mastered it. I battle it just like you. I found principles. One of the principles that I found is don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So replace an evil thought with a good thought, right? It, it, you train your mind to think a certain way. I, you say, well, I can't control my thoughts. Yeah, you can. I can tell you, don't think about elephants, whatever you do. Don't think about those big ears. Don't think about tough hide. Don't think about those tusks. Do not quit thinking. About, are you thinking about an elephant around? Stop thinking about an elephant. Quit it. Stop doing that. Well, you weren't thinking about an elephant until I suggested the elephant to you. And now that I put that in front of your mind, you're thinking about a stupid elephant. <laughs> well, you, you can't get rid of the negative thoughts by just reinforcing the negative thoughts. You have to overcome the negative thoughts with good. Think about a horse. <laughs> think about something good. Think, think, think about positive, right? Don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. And then Paul talks about it in Philippians 4. If there's anything virtuous, if there's anything good, if there's anything thanksgiving, uh, thanksworthy, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. So he's saying there are things that you can focus on and think about. That's why it's so important what you allow to go into your mind. What you read, what you watch, what you view. You put input there. And I've never met anyone who uh, betrayed a friendship, who made some big moral blunder or some financial terrible uh, thing. I've never met one person that ever messed up in any area of life, get this now, who did not, first of all, spend a lot of time thinking about it. Really. You have dress rehearsal right up here. That's why the Bible says, and this is a really good one too, there's a lot of them in there, this is one. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, bring wayward thoughts into captivity. When your mind starts drifting and you become preoccupied with things you really shouldn't be thinking about, bring those thoughts in. And James tells us the reason why, because in James 1.15, he says, when you dwell on the negative and you dwell on the bad, lust then is conceived, right? We understand conception. So lust is conceived, and the baby that lust brings, when lust is conceived, brings forth sin, sin is missing the mark. It's less than God's best for your life. And then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin is finished, brings forth death. Death of a relationship, death of a partnership, death of a friendship. So catch it here before it becomes a reality out here, right? Catch it in your head. I mean, just when it does a jailbreak, don't let it drift, don't let it go, don't let it, don't occupy the fantasy. Reel it in and bring it back and lock it up and replace the negativity with the positive and force your thoughts to be thoughts that are good for you and that are honoring to God. Our minds predetermine everything we do. That's why when Paul said protect yourself, he put it this way in Ephesians 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. Tells me the enemy is gonna to try to take the headshot. He's gonna to try to take the headshot, man. 
That's the kill shot. So if the enemy can take the head shot, if you're not wearing the helmet of salvation, if you don't have your head protected, guard your thoughts. Or he'll take the head shot. And sometimes it, may, it just may be something that was unexpected. It was something that uh, you, you, you didn't see coming. But because you dropped your guard and you weren't proactive in this area of your life, you got hurt and you got devastated. So there's a battle. Here's the third one and we'll be done. Number three, there's a blessing of a controlled mind. Wow. What a blessing to, to finally have tools that help you navigate this battle. And there's great blessings that come with it. Like I said, the difference that you and I are going to make this coming year will be going into this year head first. Let me give you a good verse. Romans chapter eight, verse six. The mind that is governed by flesh, uh, secular, um, natural, away from God. That mind, notice it now, is death. Death. It doesn't mean physical death. Like I said, it means death of relationship, death of a partnership. It could be, yeah, you got it. But, in contradistinction to that, same verse, the mind governed by the spirit. What is it? It is life and peace. Don't you want peace? <laughs> Don't you want an abundant life? What is he saying? The secret is right up here. It's in your mind. And God has promised us, if we think right, he's promised us life and peace. One of the things that's brought me a lot of comfort, I'll share this with you and we'll go. Um, one of the things that happened with Cindy's illness was this neurological illness that she battled affected her peace of mind. One of the many um, side effects of this terrible neurological disease is that she had severe anxiety. And to be able to see her struggle with that was hard for me. But on May 31st, when God called her home, one of the things that brought me comfort as I looked at her was to know she's at peace. Her mind is at peace. And when we went to uh, find the place to, to bury her body, because I know her spirit and soul are with God, uh, she wanted to be out where her grandparents are, where her dad is, where a lot of her family are, and we tried to get her as close to them as we could. I'll be there with her one day. And uh, I, uh, we couldn't find a place very close. And the place we ended up that they had available for her at the cemetery was a place, you know what it's called, where her little body is today? It's called Serenity. Huh. That's something. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So I'm saying when you, you get your mind right, one of the things God says, I'm going to do, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you peace. Peace of mind, peace in your life. So there's great blessings, guys, that come when you face life head first. So what are you thinking about, huh? What are you thinking about? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that never grows old. It's often so practical and yet so powerful. And I pray, Lord, that we won't just be people who hear it today, but we'll be people who actually apply it. We've been in this big old holy huddle and I pray when we break this huddle that we'll go out and, and we'll execute. Everybody in the room has a game plan now. We know our propensity and our proclivity is to think negatively and, and to go in that direction. But help us to go out of the room determined that we're gonna enter our life head first. We're gonna check our thinking. 
we're going to be sure that we're positive and we're hopeful and we're, and we're filled with faith as we go into this new year. So Lord, help us to carefully consider the thoughts that we think. And for my friends here today who may never have come to terms with their faith, there may never have been a moment when they just hit the pause button on their life and have really invited you into their heart. I pray this might be the moment where they just, where they're sitting just humbly in their heart say, God, with all that I know about me, I trust all that I know about you. Come into my life and forgive my sin and help me to discover purpose. For others who need someone to encourage them and pray for them before they go, I, I pray they'll find a, one of our wonderful people here at the front and let them just spend a minute and encourage them and pray for them. And for all of us as we leave today, Father, may we leave with the wonderful assurance of knowing that life can be a wonderful thing when we face it head first. So, Father, we're so grateful. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for being here. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.